So have you guys listened to the latest So Many Insane Plays that came out today? Yeah, we were just talking about that. Greg says that he boycotts any podcast over 60 minutes, which actually means he's never listened to a Tusk Talk. The only comment they had for my deck was that it was using last year's tech. <laughs> Thanks, guys! <laughs> <laughs> no, and apparently, because well, Greg talked me into using cars, that, that means I was using last year's deck. Oh, yeah. Because wow. in our testing, it was good against blue, and the only deck I care about is blue. Right, and that's largely what I cared about, because 80% of the time I'm going to play against blue. To be fair, if you're testing in a vacuum against Greg's no basic land, do nothing. Fucking I have three basic lands. Fuck man, you. Mentor <laughs> Shaheeb. You could have been playing fucking Tribal Kithkin and probably ran him over. Welcome to another episode of Tusk Talk. We're joined by two absolute and complete failures from Eternal Weekend, Sean O'Brien and Greg and a uh, top eight competitor, uh, Mike, Greedy Mike Kiesel. Welcome, Mike. Hi, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, so uh, tonight we will talk about how the world despises prison, loves blue, and um, how this might just be Mishra's last stand. But, um... Fuck gargling. (laughs) Yeah, so a couple of things, right? Um, I guess the overview of the top eight, which is old news now, but five of the eight decks were shops and the other three were Oath of Chimps. But it's sort of interesting. Internal Central published the, I believe they published all the deck lists as a PDF. Yeah, giant fucking PDF. 400 and some deck lists. Yeah, it sucks that it can't be OCR'd, but like the average Magic player handwriting, I guess, is just so... No way. Yeah, it'll never happen. Um... But it's interesting to know, like the top sixteen, I guess reasonably. You know, in other words, a bunch of um, a bunch of blue decks had winning ends. Essentially, is what I can infer, right? Like, um, if you if you just go from like nine through sixteen, or even nine through twenty, right? You had you had Dredge, Mentor, Landstill, Stoneblade, Blue Moon, Delver, Outcome, and then like twentieth ish, twenty twenty one is Mentor and Landstill. So. Right, and, and even on top of that, two uh, 22-pointers were playing a win and in and both lost and had either of them won, that eighth-place shops list would have been knocked out. Because the, the eighth-place shops list had two losses, right? He was the one guy who squeezed in on two losses? Right. right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some call-outs that I saw from the top tables, uh, there was, uh, I think it was Bob Huang playing, uh, maybe it was Jarvis. I'm sorry, getting you mixed up, whatever. Uh, playing Wilson's PO list. It was like a cool storm PO list with uh, empty. I thought that was like a cool way to take the deck, and I definitely like it more than the control build. Just going all in for a fast empty? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like tendrils and a mentor too, so it's just like some four-color, five-color all in. I'm not sure if he was uh, if he was actually on the bubble or if he just uh, finished at X2. 
this was Jarvis Yu. You're getting your, your ASEANs confused. Yes. Uh, yeah, so he finished 50th with outcome, I guess, blue uh, chromium outcome, as we yeah. call it on this cast. Yes. Well, splash button. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is that? that's uh, your tiller, right? I think it's your tiller. Yeah, we, we've, we haven't done an episode on tribal Nephilim yet, but... Um, <laughs> Next one. <laughs> yeah. Well, now now there's like EDH Chode, I think, that, that uh, has taken the place of the Nephilim. There's like Brea. Isn't that a four-color turd general? Oh, yeah. I oh, fucking yeah. lost that thing in a top eight, in a winning in, in one of the Seattle 1Ks. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's take a step back and just uh, sort of set the stage for both failure and success at Eternal Weekend. So, so Greg, what did you – we'll start with your since your history and your match record is very short. Um, <laughs> why, why, don't you tell, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about what you played for you, – you, uh, you and Mike both skipped the old school. And I'm going to skip the old school too because I think Evan's going to just do a long-winding cast uh, with some Lords of the Pit on the old school. So, um, yeah, so like what did you play in Vintage and why and why was it terrible? Sure. Uh, so I played a four-color mentor deck. Uh, basically the greens for Sylvan Library and Mana Gorge or Hydra. Um, I don't think that it's significantly structurally different from the other Mentor decks. Uh, so Mike, the past two years, convinced me the best deck in the room was a non-blue deck. And to be fair, he was right. <laughs> but last year I played Mono White Eldrazi and ran into Waterfalls with like Cascade and Infect and lost to both those and swore to myself I would never, ever, ever play non-blue again. Fuck non-blue. You also so I, lost to Vodka that day after losing to Infect. What's that? I said you also lost to Vodka that day after losing to Infect. <laughs> yes, Sean destroyed my liver. I'm not sure that it's come back. So I played this four-color mentor deck. I played against like a basically the mirror and lost because we had a, I, I made a small mistake. He had a sick balance. I don't know. There was a requisite misstep derp fight. It was bullshit, but whatever. And then I lost to Roland Chang. Who played who so I recalled myself on the play, discarded misstep because I'm playing against Roland fucking Chang and to hand size. He plays a goblin welder and then fucks me up with Tangle Wire and Crucible. And then the next game, I play Time Walk in the Sylvan Library and he plays Choke. <laughs> so yeah, that was short. Get choked. Yeah, choke pro- yeah. Choke, choke might be better now that there's only one gush, huh? It's a sweet list. Like I I, I think he did not do well, but it looks really cool. Yeah, you always think of that card as having no value because uh, the celerity of the format's too fast, or like there was a bunch of gushes, and now haven't really sat back and thought about, oh, maybe Choke actually has text now that the two the two islands that are in play or three islands that are in play are likely to like not be lifted to their opponent's hands. It's and also maybe... pretty fucking good with Tango Wire. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and Tabernacle maybe. Yeah, so that's that's poor. Uh, that went poorly, huh? So did you uh, did you play in the rebound, or was that that it for vintage? And it was uh, you were, then you went off to play legacy or whatever. Uh, kind of. I, I played a third match, won and dropped. So take the win and drop. Yeah. A good team to be on. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the the five k, uh, I played dredge. I think most people are building their dredge list really, really badly. And right. I never played dredge in an event before. Lost myself a couple of games, uh, and went four two and. I think the deck is pretty good. It was surprisingly fun to play for me. There's uh, probably more decisions now if you're playing all the, the big fat creatures, right? Like uh, in terms of evaluating your mulligans and... Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was a vintage trial where I kept a, a no bizarre hand against shops and won. Huh. Because he had the peaky needle. And you know what? If you're going to 
you're going to sorcerer spyglass me, I'm just not going to have a bazaar and crush you with my like random shitty creatures. <laughs> How did you cast your random shitty creatures without a bazaar? Uh, well, I set up to discard Grave Troll to hand size, hope that I would dredge into a second, Cabal Therapy myself for two, and then cast Hollow One for one mana. See? That's creativity. <laughs> Negative five card advantage to produce a 4-4. Four, four. We're ready. Hooray. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, so so mine's quick too. So I beat by, I beat by. Uh, well, I, I played uh, Prison Shops with Tabernacles and Smokestacks and Tangle Wires and uh, Revokers, one hanger back. Anyway, my list is somewhere on the internet. Uh, was funny. I got two feature matches like right off the bat. I got a Delver, a feature match against Delver against um, a a Bay, Bay Area guy named. Um, I always want to call him Greg Maddox because he has the same last name as the famous pitcher. I know his name isn't that, so I'm going to stall while I scroll down. Ryan Maddox. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was on Delver, Delver Pyromancer, Blue, White, Red. And we had three close games, and then on Tabernacle is just like the blowout against the Young Pyromancer decks normally. Pretty How many deep. Tabernacles are you playing? The full three, like Kobe's list last year? I had two, yeah. And I had an ensnaring bridge as well, so it was like two Tabernacles and a bridge. I mean, I own four, but it is legendary. Anyway, I, I think it, throughout the day, I would have rather just had the third Tabernacle, to be honest with you. Like... um like the way at the rate at which I was stripping people's lands, like the tabernacle is almost as good as an ensnaring bridge anyway. Like it just curves better with the deck's strategy than than the bridge does. My 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 curve is a little higher and in a wasteland fight or an attrition fight, I probably it wouldn't have been as good as I expected in the mirror, especially with shit like our Arcbound Ravager is just bridge doesn't you know, bridge you you really have to get hellbent for bridge to stone uh, like let's say the winning deck list, right? So anyway, that was probably failure. I mean, it might do a little work against Oath or some of these other decks, but I don't think it was a good design decision. So anyway, so uh, I beat Ryan in a close three games there. Wasn't particularly interesting other than typical, like, game one, Delver, natural flip. My score sheet reads, like, 20, 17, 14. Like, the typical prison deck loses to Delver score sheet. Stupid piece of shit just goes the entire way. And that's the price of playing like three or four Null Rods main deck and no Ballistas. You just fucking died to a Delver. Then I played Mike Salmasi on a camera match. And I crushed him game one on the back of Steel Hellkite uh, and wasting all of his lands. Game two, I 100% punt. I actually went back and watched the match. I punt in two ways. One way is I don't expect him to have three basics, especially three basics of, of two different colors. So that was kind of a beating. Um, so my Ghost Quarters were failure. Regardless... I should still just ghost quarter him on my turn. The other failure is I put him on having either a pyro or a mentor in his hand, and I went and watched the camera match, and I could sort of see his hand, and I was actually right. So I, my read was correct, but my my problem was I was at, I believe, 10 life, maybe, and I was just concerned that if I didn't put a tabernacle down, like he would somehow go ham with like a time walk turn or a turn in which he, like, I had no spheres. Was the other thing, I have no spheres, and I'm at like ten life, and I'm just kind of like terrified that he's going to time walk into 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 with like a, a token producer, and just beat me. But I have a situation where I only have a shop, I have a mistress factory, I've wasted him off three lands, I think, and I have a strip mine up, and so this factory is beating him down, and I can choose to strip mine his land and do nothing, um, 
I draw another shop, which doesn't help me. And I also have a tabernacle. So really, I just need like a mox or any mana producing land, and I just win the game. But the the error is playing the tabernacle, thinking that it that it matters like against a time walk turn, which it would prevent. But he literally has to have like three to four cards in hand in running sequence for that to get me. For me to lose to that would have taken such an insane sequence of draws, possibly including like Lotus, right? Yeah. So, so I, I I misplayed by by Phantom playing around a Phantom Time Walk. Turned out he actually had the token maker in his hand. But anyway, so the, I play the Tabernacle, which then cuts me off from being able to both attack with a Steel Hellkite and a Factory. I can only attack with one creature. And oh, at, yeah. that, at that point, he had drawn a removal spell. You know, the correct play there is to just like not play the Tabernacle. And then I have two threats. I tap the Strip Mine. I activate the Factory. I, I attack with Steel Hellkite and Factory, and I win. Case closed. Uh, and that was just game two. And then game three, I had a pretty strong opener. I had a uh, turn one golem, the actual, yes, the one that's restricted uh, and something else. But he had his, uh, his turn was, I had, a, I had a thorn in the goal. I had a busted opener, but anyway, he had black Lotus Mox land uh, Lotus for white plow, your golem floating mana, abrade your other artifact with text. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I drew nothing, and he drew Dak Faden. So that was that was that's like life without you know whatever. I mean, it's life against Black Lotus. You're like the only shot deck that's actually weak to Dak Faden now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know I'm the only one. I, I'm the one who's probably best. Uh, that build is probably the one that is best suited to keep him from resolving because I have all the spheres, plus I have all the waste effects, plus I actually have Tangle Wires, and Dak Faden doesn't have Flash. So my goal with Dak Faden, and I have Revokers just like everybody else, but. My goal was to keep him like from even being put on the stack, but when you get like Lotus, Triple Beam, Stone Rain, Plow, Abraded, such as yeah. life. So that that kind of just dominated that game. So game three was sort of a, a non-game. Then I beat Dredge, then I beat Shop Depths, then I beat um I don't think either of those games were that interesting. You were you were burning my Dredge match. It was a relatively new player, but it was a good he was a Texas Lurgoyf. Um, yeah, but, a few big punts. He forgot that he could have bizarre for Savannah. Yeah, yeah. And I knew, but I knew he didn't know. So I didn't strip mine his Savannah because he thought it was bone flute. So yeah. so it's that, you know, we all walk that fine line in games sometimes where you know your opponent is on mule is in mule mode and you just you just try not to laugh or look look at the look at the dark depths like it means anything. So. Over Ripstone portal and I think another Tusk guy and I just looked at each other like, you're so boned now. You're going to lose this fucking Dark Depths. And he just didn't realize. <laughs> now, granted, I had a I had a waste effect, I believe. So, But I don't I don't necessarily want to use it there. Yeah, and his hand was back. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, he also learned the lesson that you can copy nothing with Phyrexian Metamorph, which paired, <laughs> up, which paired up very poorly against the three bridges in his yard. And then, uh, oh, he, another advantage I had is that game one, he had like the nut, Shit in your mouth, hollow one, beat down. He was playing the main deck. And all I played was like a sapphire and wastelands. So he and then we got deck checked. So I don't think he actually knew I was on shops for game two, which was probably helpful for me. But he, he may have thought I was on land still or Delver or something. Who knows? But anyway, it's dredge. I drew cyborg guards the last game and didn't get mental misstep, so that was easy. Then I played, yeah, like the Dark Depths shops deck with Mirage Mirror. Is that the card? Um, no, it's not because when you cast Null Rod, it just becomes a literal turd. So, oh, and the deck's uh, not good, but it's a cool card. Yeah, 
anyway, it lined up poorly against the null rod plan that I had. And, uh, and then I lost to Delver for my second loss at five, two. And he also had a uh, basic Island, basic mountain, main deck, of braid, main deck bolt. Um, so I think he was reasonably well set up to, I thought I could maybe get him with tabernacle. He, at one point he pulverized, leaving him only with tundra, forgot his mentor, forgot his pyromancer trigger, and also forgot to enter combat and kindly gift, kindly gifted me all of that time to find a wasteland to waste his tundra so that he uh, would shut off all of his dudes. But he drew some running lands and just like killed me with four power before I could do anything because... <laughs> Shops oh. has no shops has no blue cards, so I dropped at five two. Which you know, I mean, I guess there was a two loss deck that made top eight, so maybe I'm a coward. But I, I have a hard time staying motivated when I get a second loss. And then my other fear was if you go X two and I put shops in tenth, it would just further increase the penetration of Mishra into the top thirty two and get it banned. So I mean, at least I, it would have been a, a non like aggro <laughs> shops list. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, maybe I could have squeezed out a couple more wins, but I I was obviously pissed off that I would I was I was perceiving myself as out of contention for top eight. So it rarely gets better for me as I as I get like a second loss. I'm not really like the comeback kid. I'm more just like Debbie Downer. So anyway, that ended my vintage experience. But now we get to the main event. So Mike, what did you play? Uh, you played a year old shop deck, right? Yeah, I played a year old shop shop deck. I was playing. <laughs> Ravager Shops featuring uh, Precursor Golem's main, uh, two Fleetwheel Cruisers, because uh, hitting people with five threes is awesome. Um, I'm an Indian for, uh, for thinking that Cruiser is only possibly just because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. But, I mean, like, I still think it's, it's fairly well positioned. Like, it actually did a lot of work against Oath, like, in the quarterfinals, which I'll get to in right. a bit. And... and I don't know how relevant it was in the Swiss, but I, I know it definitely helped close out some games. It, with so few sphere effects these days, you kind of just have to play that the tempo game and really try to close the game out fast. And you know, one way to do that is with overseers, and another way is with uh, five-three haste trample. I mean, um, I would argue that the five-three haste trample is harder to at least the turn you play it to like play around in combat. Um, right. You know, it's not like the overseer has haste, right? So. That had to, I mean, that has to work to your advantage or had to have worked to, to your advantage in at least a couple of matches. Just the fact that you had a lava axe, like. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Um, but I guess it can start at the beginning. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I played in uh, one of the trials on Thursday, um, trying to steal a buy because there's zero West Coast events. So Greg and I, neither of us had buys and had a chance for a buy until thursday but thanks to delta i was on two hours of sleep thanks to getting stuck in detroit overnight i was originally planning actually on playing um like a bugfish style deck in the trials because i was actually expecting a lot more um outcomes and and things like that in the trial and i don't think shops is actually really well positioned against those decks you know just like people having fun playing some random stuff in like a side event uh, but of course, on two hours of sleep, I was just like, "Yeah, let's just play the deck I know how to play," and I, I registered shops. Dirt uh, brown aggro. Yeah, uh, I get the shops mirror round one um, and uh, lose that. I <laughs> promptly it. lose that round promptly one. Lose. I mean, I, I win game one with like sphere into golem or into like precursor golem that he can't answer. Uh, like all he did was like play a wasteland. Um, 
So I knew, so like, he, he played a wasteland and then scooped. So I knew he was either on, like, bugger shops. And luckily, the sideboard plan is basically the same anyway. So I just boarded for shops. And it, was the, it was the mirror. Um, but that he, I forget what happened, but he kind of just out aggroed me the, the second two games. Um, and then round two, I get paired against uh, a bugfish deck, uh, get ahead game one really fast, and, and kind of close that out. And then games two and three get energy fluxed. Solid start to your weekend. Yeah, solid start to my weekend. So O2 drop, go get tacos, get some sleep, and do what anyone in their right mind would do, having O2 drop the night before. Riggers are <laughs> to the same 75 for the main event. <laughs> Those tacos were awesome. Those tacos were awesome. The yeah, that place. There was like... Shout out to like what the hell is uh, the name of it? Cobata? Do you think anybody actually remember? Uh, Condato. Con- Condato? Condato, Taco. Nada? Oh. Something like that. Ate there twice. Yeah, Condato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think God, that place was twice. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking great. It's the Arcbound Ravager of taco places. You can just like pick random things off the menu and form your own taco from all these cool ingredients. So it's basically, yeah, your taco has modular. Yeah, it has modular because when it comes out the other end, it's still a steaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I shat out a couple of six six beaters the next day. <laughs> all right, so all right, so, so the, the main, main event. event of note, and this comes into play right away. This is the first year I've actually played Soul Ring in in a list. Yeah, I'm in, not a fan of Soul Ring because <laughs> uh, fuck mental misstep. Uh, Actually, it's probably the worst man accelerated in White Eldrazi, but that's beside the point. Um, so my opening hand, game one, is Workshop, Soul Ring, Lodestone Golem, Metamorph, and I, I want to say Sphere of Resistance. I don't remember if I had Sphere of Resistance or I drew it. Um, so of course, this is a snap keep, but if, if I get misstepped, I'm, I'm screwed. Luckily, he doesn't have it, so I get a turn one Lodestone Golem. Um, he plays out like C and Pearl, and then I copy Golem and play a sphere and he scoops haven't seen anything much in this list so don't really sideboard anything game two he oaths me he's on and uh game three er, I, I, exactly. love, I love oath i love oath strategy <laughs> i mean he oathed me. i mean to be fair that last was at the semi-final match i guess rich shay's match against oath that was like interesting but it's pretty yeah. rare that you get an actual interesting Oath match where you don't, just don't get Oaths. But anyway, sorry. My, my quarterfinals was really interesting, too, with Oath. But uh, anyway, so then on game three, I keep a, a slowish hand. I think it's like Workshop into Revoker, and I just blind name Lotus. Uh, and turns out Lotus was his only green source. So <laughs> Nice work. You had, uh, you, you had uh, the extra Witchbane orb, right, against Oath? Like you had a fifth card in your sideboard? Or, I don't know. So, yeah, I had one Witchbane orb. Uh, Russ actually had two, but I went with more Shops 8. So Russ is the other Seattle guy who played Mike's almost 75, lost on camera in the winning in. Uh, yeah. When he had Montolio in one life? Yeah. Got yeah. shot. Got shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the only difference in our 75 was he had two Wishbane or- orbs, and I had one and one better skull. So, yeah, in it. testing um, some of the big blue decks and even the Delver decks that chose to put it in the sideboard, especially the ones where I had, like, Island Island Mountain, Resolving Hercules is at an all-time easiest as it's ever been. 
Oh yeah, like resolving protocols, resolving energy flux, all these like big things that just annihilate shops are are way more castable these days. So people say that you know, this is the best shops list ever. I think it's actually like the weakest to, to hate in a while. Like sure, it has like the the aggressive lines, but um, you can still answer it really easily. You can't answer it as easily with spot removal. I think is the difference, right? You know, like you can resolve the the horizontal hosers like energy flux, Hercules. If anyone actually played like Meltdown, maybe, um, right. you know, but the everyone's trying to do it with one for ones and you just have a bajillion dudes and Arcbound Ravager. Right. And I think like going after the spheres is much like you probably shouldn't do that as much. Like, to be fair, the most forcible card in the deck is now Foundry Inspector, I think. Like, if you go turn one Foundry Inspector and you have the force, you should just like snap force it. Yeah, that's definitely going to segue into our like format discussion later. Yeah. But anyway, so that was so I, I beat Oath two o or two one round one, uh, round two I get paired against uh, probably the coolest deck in the room, which is a uh, mono green. Oh yeah, Chris Crispus Allen or something is that guy's yeah, name? Allen. He he actually almost top aided the legacy event too with Maverick. Uh, he was on camera in the in the, the win and in, but man, loves he, yeah, he's and like he was playing noble hierarchs, a bunch of forests. Um, yeah, so this game one starts off where he goes windswept teeth pass, and I play turn one uh, three ball. Uh, so I keep a hand that has turn one three ball, uh, a couple spheres, but and some more mana and no real threats. And I proceed to not draw a threat in my thirty one threat uh, count deck. Uh, as he kind of goes forest, 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 forest <laughs> into. <laughs> Hey, I looked it up. He has nine fucking forests, man. He just kept playing forests. And then he played Sylvan Library and then Remnant Excavator and then found a Wasteland and started Wastelanding me out as he was hitting in with like a four or five Remnant Excavator because he had two Noble Hierarchs. It was a beating. Yeah. You know what's what's funny? I was watching his hand. Uh, the, the game you won with the... Yeah, yeah. And he was... It turned out he was on like four Null Rods. I think there's oh, a yeah, strong he, chance if he drew a null rod that, that last game, he were in trouble. Yeah, he, he played a null rod game one, too. So, um, yeah, so he just demolishes me game one after I can't find a threat for, like, ten turns. Uh, game two, I don't really remember much. I, I remember I revoked her, his two hierarchs at one point, and... I think you got I, him with a ballista. Maybe. Yeah, I, just, I think I just super aggroed him. Yeah. And then game three, I... I'm pretty sure I lose if he has a fetch land, but instead he goes turn one, uh, crypt forest, Ravenev excavator, and then never draws another land. Oh, uh, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, like I think he ended the game with like a thrag tusk and and whatever in hand, and uh, he he was playing like Titania as well, so he could have just like five threed me to death. Did he ask you to sign his thrag tusk because you were wearing a team tusk shirt? Uh, he did not, sadly. Do you know that I thought he was unpowered, and then I went and looked at his list, and he plays the gentleman's Mox Emerald. How sick is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think you would win the buzzing prize? Is he, <laughs> wait, was he only playing the Emerald? He was he not playing the Lotus? Yeah, you know, maybe he couldn't bum up a Lotus or whatever. Okay. Maybe he thinks the card sucks in that deck. I don't know, but like <laughs> the list is fucking insane. I I I did dig around. Well, he has A as his last name, and Jaco sorted him by last name. So in the giant PDF that's hosted on Eternal Central, his list is up near the front there. Yeah, I think he could probably use a Lotus just on the back of it. He has four um, fucking Mana Gorgers and four Raman. I mean, Lotus yeah, Raman Excavator. Get fucked. Like, I, that's reason enough. Tusk. 
What does the format do to turn one drag tusk? <laughs> Man, that card's a beating. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you survived the the mono green. Uh, yeah, I survived the mono green. Uh, round three, I actually played against the uh, the guy who I think got first in the budget prize. So playing against a uh, budget Delver. What? I'm assuming he has no rods if he's budgeting his Del- Delver. Yeah, he was playing no rods. Game two, he played like a box diamond. Oof. Uh, which God, that card is wretched. Yeah, so uh, I forget. So game one, I think I he played um, main the main deck mountain, which I had a strip mine for. I wastelanded two of his volcanics, and I was just putting pressure on. Like he smashed, uh, smashed the smithereens main deck, um, my uh, cruiser, but I'm able to get like a a little like a a little bit big hanger back walker. It might have just been a one one actually. It was one one or two two, and I get a ravager and. At one point, he bolts the the Ravager, and I just decide to go all in because he's out of red mana. And uh, um, like he bolts the Ravager, it, it has a counter. It has two counters on it already, and I have like two mocks in. Uh, and I'm pretty much empty-handed at this point without much mana. So I just he's at nine life. So I just decide to go all in on this Ravager, um, which gets there because he's out of red sources. Uh, and then game two, he goes turn one. Um, I can't remember if he mulliganed or not. He may have mulliganed, but he went like land, mox diamond, pitching a land, young pyromancer, probe you. And then for my turn, I draw a ballista, put a ballista on two, and kill young pyromancer. I'd um, rather have simian spirit guides than mox diamonds. I looked at his list too. He, like, he didn't have pedal either, I don't think. No, and actually, like, I think game two, like, after I ballisted his young pyromancer, like a turn two later, he played the null rod. So actually, like, he ramped out. This Mox Diamond pitching a land and then played Stone out a no rod. Yeah. Stone Rained himself. And like that allowed me game two to kind of, to actually like I had because I saw Smash game one, I board out um two of the precursor golems and I just left one in because, you know. <laughs> I, and I ended up killing him with the, the precursor golem because he only had or or game two he had like two Delvers that refused to flip. Like I he played one and I he tried to flip, and I think drew the second one and played that, and he like missed a land drop, so he only had one turn because I had a sphere out where he could, if he had the smash and drew a land, he could like twelve me. And yeah, then, I, haven't, I haven't had a precursor golem smash to smithereens. That is fucking opposite swords. What a beating. Yeah, um, but instead, I, I like he didn't draw the land, and I, I knew I had a follow up um, sphere effect so that he would be turned off of it for good. And then uh, nine power is a, is a lot of power, so that got there. Um, Do you think that budget Delver could be, like, decent against shops? Like, Delver doesn't get that much from the power. Like, I think it could. I think you would want to be more... Uh, like, I don't know if Mox Diamond is what you want to do. I think you'd maybe want to just have a higher land count, because you just want to always make your land drops. Yeah, play Wastelands, Strip Mine, higher land count. Right. Uh, fine, play a Petal. Like I get yeah. that or something maybe, and it's fine. It fuels the delve spells if you get it early enough. Uh, it's probably not that embarrassing. Yeah, I can see the pedal. Um, uh, yeah. So then round four, I played against Oath again. Um, game one, uh, I win the die roll and three ball him, and he doesn't play a third land. <laughs> uh, he so he. The only thing of note in this game was that he discarded show and tell to hand size, so like, I'm debating. So I'm, I, I'm assuming he's on oath, but like I'm sort of thinking he's trying to bait me into thinking that he might be on like the 
like the show and tell bargain deck. Yeah. yeah. So I actually only hedge a little bit against Oath and Board in like the Witchbane Orb and like a couple cages. Um, so boarding for the shop. And so game two, he oaths up. Um, yeah, I think he has like a Oath or uh, Orchard Oath, Fast Start, and Gristle Brands Me. Um, and I don't remember what happens game three. I think I just aggro him out again, maybe. I, I think I had like a, a couple cages on turn one. Uh, and so round five starts with uh, Chalice on zero, or so he's he wins the die roll. He goes Chalice on zero, Ancient Tomb, Simeon Spirit Guide, Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm paired against Moon Snappy. Um, was he budget as well? Uh, he might have been because uh, he was playing Null Rods. I didn't. I don't think I saw any power. Um, game one, I tr- almost get back into the game. I end up, I actually metamorph a sin prodder to to get my own Delver or to get my own, like Bob. Yeah, um, his sin prodders are revealing like Chandra and I, I, and like Simeon Spear Guide, which I let him have the Simeon Spear Guide, and mine are revealing like a Mox and a Wasteland Mox Pearl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah, you can bid that. And I'm like, great, yeah, cool. Um, I almost give, like, I, I start getting a board presence, and then he fiery confluences me, yeah. game one for triple shatter. Uh, yeah, that's all of my threats. That's, that's yeah. rough justice. I mean, actually, uh, like, there are two modes that pound you pretty good, right? Like, even the pirate, what is it, pyroclasm? Is yeah, if you, I mean, I think I just lose, well, I had a ravager, so he can't pyroclasm. Okay, like, okay. I can yeah. just load up on one. But, or no, I think he had a no rod in play at that point too. So I think he could have just done whatever. I was not winning that game. Um, uh, game yeah. two, I have like aggressive start. He plays a Mangus of the Moon, which I dismember, and then I have workshops that do lots of stuff. Um, uh, and then game three, I'm back on the draw. I keep a hand that has uh, Mana Crypt, Jet, Workshop, Worm Coil. And like, well, if he doesn't do literally anything. Turn one, I, I have a shot here with his Wormcoil engine. Uh, he, he goes Mountain Pass, and then I draw Black Lotus for the turn. Ah. Which then t- turns on my Foundry Inspector and Sphere that I have in place. So I get nine power plus Sphere, uh, turn one on the draw. I have to think, like, in that deck where he's playing Soul Land, Spirit Guides, Null Rods, Right. Like for him to not ha- keep a hand with a turn one play sounds like to me maybe yeah. I'm just like the backseat driver, but boy, you you got to have a turn one play with that deck when you're on the play. You yeah, he didn't mulligan. The- he didn't mulligan either, which was kind of troubling. I so he he ended up actually pulverizing me that game. I mean, I had the worm call engine still on the six six side when he when he did, he had to do it just to survive. So I assume he kept his hand on the strength of. Um, Pulverize. Yeah. Pulverize. And I think he had like an abraid in his hand too. So like maybe it was like a slow start, but it doesn't matter because I have pulverize, so it's kind of okay. Yeah, pulverize is is um it's a pretty high cost. I mean I get it, you know, if he's got Chandra going and then he pulverizes and then he like stabilizes, but Yeah, I mean like he actually almost kind of was able to claw back into it. Like I drew another sphere which kind of which turned off his abraid, so like um he was almost to a point where he had abraded the warm coil engine and then wiped the board with the pulverize, but um, I was able to put the pressure on fast enough, obviously, with nine power going down on turn one. Yeah. 
that I was able to close the game out fast. Um, round six was the only round that I ended up beating shops. I played shops uh, four times on the weekend, and I was one and three in the mirror. So kind of a poor shops performance. Um, I, I think in game one, he had a slow start. I won the die roll. Um, I, I just win with a fast precursor golem, and then I forget what it... Round six was done in under 14 minutes, so it was nice. pretty, pretty one-sided. Um, just one shops player had a, had a much better shops hand than the other. Um, round seven, I was in an, uh, like a backup match against Rich Shea. Um, uh, game one, I kept a, a double. I won the die roll. I kept a double workshop hand, which is obviously great. I go turn one sphere uh, into turn two precursor golem. I draw a, the third workshop so that I can double metamorph on turn three for twenty seven power. Huh? How did he feel about that? Uh, not great. I I, <laughs> I, I won game one. Um, but something like a main deck dismember would have been pretty hilarious there. Like, <laughs> has a spell ever been copied that many times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Oh, well, uh, it would have been hilarious at least. Um, uh, game two, we both kind of build up a big uh, board state. Uh, he actually gets some timely dismembers here, if I recall it. I think in this game. Um, uh, he eventually gets me to like go all in on this steel hellkite to like sac- sacrifice my ravager to protect my steel hellkite because we do like this gigantic board exchange, and uh, he follows it up with a wormhole engine. And I kind of punted this one because I ended up I didn't have to sack a mox jet to the to ravager, but I thought you know, just getting one more power on the this hellkite would be great. And had I kept the jet, I would have actually had the six mana to activate Seal Hellkite to kill Wormclaw Engine. Yes, uh, it's not often that, that you can get X up to six in a shot. No, it, it, like, I mean, I would have had to four myself off of Double Ancient Tomb, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have at least stalled it for a bit. Um, he ended up drawing a, separate, a second Wormclaw Engine, so I'm not sure any anything really mattered that game once we got to that point. Uh, and then uh, game three... I keep a, a fairly weak hand. It was um, Mox Sapphire, uh, Factory, Double Wasteland, uh, Metamorph, and uh, maybe it was the Fleetwheel Cruiser, or it might have been, I don't know, it was a, a Foundry Inspector, and, and then maybe something else. Uh, uh, yeah. And your, so, so, so it was no turn one play, but it had like... How many cards you have to... You, you have a full... You have way more than enough to bring it in the mirror, right? All your series go out. You have Batter Skull. You have Dismember, Dismember, Steel Hellkite, Worm Coil. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's your seven sphere effects. You know, the, the four spheres, the, the thorn, the three ball, and the, the chalice. Yep. Word out for the, the, for the seven obvious cards. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know if we want to talk about lists now. Um, you were saying that you were pretty impressed by Dismember at the end of the tournament? Yeah, so uh, especially my list. So um, with with Ravager kind of going, with Shops list kind of going super aggressive, you know, my list was definitely the slower one, which I get, it, 
towards the end too, we can talk about with my match against uh, Montolio. Um, so you kind of really need that those tempo plays, and I think it, I forget which game it was here, but Rich was definitely like I think he had one or both of his dismembers, and definitely was able to like use them timely uh, to kind of uh, get even more tempo advantage. And I think it's actually even more important for these the the bigger mana chops lists like. If you're gonna play precursor golems uh, in like a wasteland mirror, you definitely need to be able to deal with um, observers before they take over, or, uh, or overseers before they to- take over. Yeah, those overseers really impressed me more than I thought they would. Right. Yeah. So I guess to, to wrap it up really quickly, I played against. Uh, so I my first loss was to Rich Shea. Um, actually, it was a really close match. Uh, at the end of the game, uh, he was at eight life, and I had like, uh, like there was a one turn where if I drew factory, I was going to win, because um, I he knew about like a fleet wheel cruiser in hand, and I had a, a factory, and he had, he had dealt a lot of damage to him, and I actually on turn two I had opted not to take a factory attack um, because he had the inspector. He so I went turn one. Uh, mocks factory pass and he goes he just goes turn one workshop inspector and i so i on my turn back i wasteland his his shops um and then i have a choice i don't really have a a threat to play so i have a choice of whether or not to attack and i chose not to attack because i knew um my hand was mana light and i'd only see two cards out of his hand so um i didn't necessarily want to offer the trade there um but no way he takes it right I don't know. Probably it. not. And like probably not. So I probably should have taken the attack. And like he ended up at a virtual one life. So one mm-hmm. one chosen on factory attack might have decided that that game. So rough. I don't know. It was it was actually a very interesting match. So um, so round eight, uh, I get paired against uh, Delver. Actually, was the uh, opponent. Sean had played the previous, like in round seven, I guess. Kaplan. Avenge me! <laughs> yeah. So, so luckily I knew he was he was on Delver then, uh, and still promptly kept a hand that was awful against Delver. <laughs> yeah, I gave you half his list. I was like, he has a mountain, he has a braid, he has this, he has that. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep one of the worst possible hands you can keep against Delver in that it had two ancient tombs. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing and like... then I promptly drew a third. <laughs> Fire blast yourself a few times. Yeah, and, so ga- uh... game one consists of uh, me dealing 14 damage to myself. Um, he, he like forces my first threat. Ancestral recalls like bolts the next thing and forces like a precursor goal or whatever. And I'm just 14ing myself. And then he plays one Delver and it flips to lightning bolt and I, and it's over. Yeah, uh, he's the guy who forgot to attack me. So feel yeah. if you if we'd both lost to him, it was it was going to be we were goosing. I mean, it was going to be gray goose straight to the bottom. Uh, <laughs> I almost lost him because game two, I win. I only lose two mana crypt rolls out of I think eleven plus. This is what it takes to be a champion. Skill, <laughs> skill. Yeah, yeah. So we literally go like. 10 plus turns of he's on like one mana he's drawing and discarding I have 11 million mana in play and like 
three sphere effects, so he's never doing anything. All I have to do is draw a threat, and I win the game, and eventually I do. Uh, and then game three, we're actually put on camera, so that's like the second game in what round eight, and I have... He goes like Island Pass, I go turn one Inspector plus Sphere, uh, and eventually he stops casting spells and I win. Um, round nine was my winning in against Landstill. Uh, those were close games. I, I watched, I birded a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Game one, I literally just play creatures and he can't beat creatures. So, um, but they were powerful creatures like Arcbone Ravager and. Uh, Hangerback Walker, and like he's able to like bolt or like swords and snap swords a few, but um, just is always behind, and I eventually kill him. Uh, game two, I th- think I had a turn one three ball again, um, but he actually has lands, so um, he had a crucible that you you end up winning that game, right? The second game, no, I lose game two, so I because he, he has a crucible. Because he has Crucible, so he gets a huge tempo advantage because he actually uh, swords is two uh, precursor golems, so I go to like 40 life. Um, but that gives him time to like, Hercules me plus play a standstill. Right, right, right. And right, then okay. there, he, like, he draws a bunch of cards, gets a Crucible, gets a Jace, and... Yeah, know. game three was more interesting because he had a decision, I think, to make whether to play... A tap out for Crucible with no land drop, I think. I can't remember. Well, you have probably better notes than me, but I remember watching that game and it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I, I forget exactly what happened with that game. I, I think um, I, it's, I, I once again have a fairly aggressive start, I think. And he's able to... I think I had a Crucible that game, maybe. Because he definitely dismembers or uh, disenchants something um, he swords one of my guys. Um, the actually the, yeah. the, the main I think the turn he disenchants. I, I'm pretty sure he could have just played Crucible and taken some more damage. I think that was his decision, and he holds up disenchant. He had a foil shit stained disenchant that triggered me. I remember that. Okay, actually, I think what he said after the match was the, the most relevant thing was uh, his first blue source was actually the fairy conclave, and if that had just been an untapped land, I, he would have been able to snap swords a turn earlier and like take a lot uh, of damage yeah that card sucks i don't know why people play that card yeah so actually i was able to get in like one extra hit for like eight because of that so then when he was finally able to snap something he like i'm attacking for lethal because i have like a four four hangerback walker and um uh like a four three foundry inspector because i had, had modulared over a token so i'm attacking for lethal and then he snaps and dismembers my um, inspector and then, and then blocks the, the hanger back. And now he's tapped out. Um, or I must have had a second Ravager too then because in the end of the game, he, you know, I have hanger back, Ravager, and I play a 3-3 Ballista because uh, yeah. he's tapped out and I machine gun him for yeah. that last eighth. Yeah, shops having a fireball is uh, might be pushing it. What what is your board plan for Landstill? Matt and I tested that quite a bit, and I felt like I could, felt like I was winning like a third 
to more games game one with Landstill. Like it was it was a reasonable matchup for a deck that's burdened with like three missteps and a fluster storm and I, so, I, I thought it was a pretty good. Were you bringing in your crucibles, or do you not want to? Yeah, play I was bringing game, in the crucibles. I'm trying to remember exactly what it because uh, I didn't really have like a a pre made plan for for a land still really. Yeah, yeah, we did it testing. Was this against uh, Lawrence or one of the other players? No, this was against. Uh, I think he got twelfth. This was Kyle Teigen. Okay. Um, so he was he was the the land still list in the top sixteen. So kind of discarded it because uh, it seemed like it lost to. The blue mirror, and it seemed like it lost two shops. So why would we play it? And I does it have a good dredge matchup? I I can't would, imagine. I can't imagine it does. But did, did he uh, have stony like, silence? Like we were testing the stony silence blue white list, and I, I felt like he has stony has efflux. But like you're just you're just slow, man. Like if you don't have a empty board and standstill on turn one, you're kind of fucked. Right. You don't like, have plows, yeah. Yeah, I think like you said, game three at the end of the, the the game, he had two standstills in hand, and like there was never an empty board pl- board for him to like put it down. But uh, yeah, so I brought in like the the Crucible Worlds, and I'm pretty sure that's it. Like you you don't want to board out any spheres um, on the draw. Like maybe on the draw, you don't want yeah. No, I, I think you're. Like, you don't want Trinisphere, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like you're only really worried about um, energy flux. Well, yeah. you're worried about like their big mana stuff, so you want to keep like your spheres in, so they don't just land, land, land. Energy flux. Energy flux. Yep. Yep. Um, I probably boarded out like the. I think I boarded out the two cars. For. Because those are like if they're they're leaving the Sony Silence and they're just lava axis, so they're not really great threats. Right, right, yeah. And they're your most second most expensive card. I guess you got Precursor Golem's five. Did you Precursor Golem is fine when he's playing Plow? I guess it's okay. It's not great, but like it closes out the game so fast that if they like, it's just it was such a good threat for me on the day where like. You play a sphere, and then you like a turn or two later, you play nine power, and you go, "Can you answer this?" And like, oftentimes they can't. So, did it, did it ever come up where you played a precursor, precursor golem into white mana? And has anybody in the history of shops ever done the preemptive uh, with the trigger on the stack, sack it to Ravager? I uh, I think I did that against the Delver player. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely was prepared to do that all weekend long. Yeah, um, yeah. I, but I think it only actually came up once. Um, no. Fair enough. And, then, and yep. then round 10, I was able to to ID with one of the Oath players. And so that brings... Uh, so then Saturday, I just chose to skip out on Legacy to, to actually test the, the Oath mirror, or the, the Oath matchup and... Uh, against like Andy's list. Um yeah, Sean made some really nice proxies. Yeah. Uh yeah. The, some sick art skills. Yeah, yeah some, some grizzle ape. Put a lot of work into those grizzle ape proxies, but uh well I, we had like I don't know five proxy decks in my room and we had we had a lot of we had like the Bomberman Oath deck, whatever. I, I, I assume you had to make a proxy for demonic consultation. In fact, 
I did not because in my bug list I had demonic consultation because oh, consulting for wasteland is just the best thing ever. <laughs> he uh, uh, he in the quarterfinals he actually dem- uh, demonic consultation for forcible. Like this guy had balls of steel. I'll, 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 so so in testing the very first time like so I was testing against Russ who was playing Oath and eventually Tyler who was another Seattle local. Um, so your your oath mules, your oath mules. Yeah. <laughs> so so the very first time of testing, Russ cast demonic consultation. He has oath in play. <laughs> he, wa- he he demonic consultations for orchard. Proceeds to hit every single oath target plus um, time vault plus Jace, and we're just like, why is he playing this card? He's a madman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and but testing was great. Um, uh, you know, I learned that uh, being on the play with a shop's deck is awesome. Uh, so I actually had an extreme advantage uh, game one, most of the games we played. We were uh, really surprised, weren't we? Like, we all expected the matchup to be a little rough. And, it, man, in testing, like, you just basically couldn't lose game one. Yeah. And games two and three, you had a good shot, too. Well, well, I also have, I have to just say this here, that after this champs, I'm like... 8-0 or 9-0 in champs against Oath. In his uh, mana base is... And that's what... It's so bad. Uh, and it's... Well, I mean, he's actually more of a, a tinker and time vault deck. And then, so game one, I felt favored. But games two and three, I was very unfavored. Like, I was only winning the games where, like, I was getting double caged down. And then he didn't just vault key me and stuff like that. Uh, so, like... Uh, after testing, I was like, I have to win game one to have a chance. And then post board, I have to kind of like steal one. If I can get double cage down, it'll be, I'll be in a much safer position. Um, stuff like that. But, I mean, he has like <laughs> energy flux and he doesn't even board like a forest, though. You know, it's just like, right. If, if your goal is to hit this three, probably four mana sorcery, assuming you can squeeze a, a sphere out. Right. I don't, I don't know. I guess he's playing like Lotus Petal. Mana crit. All right, he's playing a lot of power. Eh. Anyway, yeah. it just seems like a tough, tough thing to ask your deck to do, especially maybe even in a game three to resolve, right. to resolve energy flux in the face of all those wastelands and stuff. But whatever. Yeah, we, we were talking with uh, Andy, and he said he was terrified of the. So this is the guy who won uh, before the top eight, and he said he was terrified of oath. Um. So oh, anyway, uh, in the quarterfinals, it definitely doesn't appear to be the case that oath beats shops. I think it depends. Like. Part of the problem with Oath is that uh, it has a little bit of clunky draws, kind of a clunky mana base at times. Um, doesn't really have... Oh, well, sometimes the lists are playing like the cantrip-heavy mana bases, but it like having to like play out an Oath and then wait a turn, like these shop decks are so aggressive now that like sometimes it didn't matter that he could Oath because you're know, like, oh, you played an Oath, I already have like Seven, eight power on the board, and a ravager to stone your life link. You know? Right, I'm going to hit you down to ten, and then like, you know, if I have an answer or something, or I can like ravager so that you don't get life link, and uh, and win from there, or like blister you down, or or, or all types of things like that. Um, so this so list I think- has no preordain. I'm just looking at it now. Like to right. your point, you know, it's the cantrip light one that's. Re- probably relying a lot more on just having it in like his top 10 cards. 
he's got no preordains. He has a ponder and brainstorm. I mean, he has the restricted cards, but right. He's he's much more of the old school vault key plus like top deck tutors or uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, kind of old yeah. style. Um, yeah. So uh, so in our quarterfinals match, I keep. I forget what my my hand was. I, like I, it had like Inspector. I think it had Workshop. Uh, it had Frixie and Metamorph. So thus it was a snap keep uh, in the Oath matchup. Um, I, I think I had like a Sphere. Uh, so, so I get a little bit of pressure early. He shows and tells with four mana. Um, I put in so I have the Metamorph and I have a Revoker. So I put in the Revoker to name Gristlebrand that he puts into play. Um, obviously, you can't put in, in Metamorph. That's not how that card works. Um, on my turn, I then cast... He's tapped out. I have a sphere play, so I get to cast Metamorph and copy Gristlebrand. Uh, he plays out a Jace. Uh, t- uh, taps out, gives me a, a token, too, because he had a, had a Orchard at that point as his fifth land. Uh decides to bounce gristle brand or bounce my gristle brand and attack with his to go back up to 17 and that but was now my... like he he attacked where he absolutely should not have that's probably true I, I mean i ended up drawing uh ravager so it wouldn't have mattered i was still going to attack in for for lethal next turn but uh instead my so my hand at that point was one fleet bill cruiser so he had just given me a, a metamorph and I was able to play uh, Cruiser, Metamorph copy Cruiser, and I had <laughs> nine more power on the board, so I attack in for 19 when it was at 17. Double so, lava. <laughs> so, Cruiser doing, doing a little work there. Um, yeah, I saw you guys like doing the math like a couple times, and he's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many, how many times you cast Metamorph and you don't copy the Gristle brand? <laughs> Right, yeah, like he swung in. He gained seven life, and you still killed him on the swing back. Yeah. From hand. Yeah, and then um, uh, game two, the the interesting line here is I had a, it, Inspector plus Cage on board. Uh, so he keeps a hand, he molds the six and keeps a hand, and um, like, he goes like Emerald, Pearl, Petal, and Pass. And I just unload on the board. What? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, you should have just multiplied five. You probably should have just multiplied five. Um, I eventually attack in for 11 with like a, a Fleetwood Cruiser, and he asked to sack his pedal to Hercules Recall Me to kind of not take a, a wave of damage. So, like, I'm fine with that trade. Um, and then so I, I get to like replay the inspector and then a cage, and then he, he finally finds a land and plays Oath off of the, the Emeralds and uh, Pearl, and so he has an. Uh, a fetch land out, um, and so I have a, a a metamorph in hand, and I want to copy another another cage because I'm worried about nature's claim. But obviously, I can't just jam out the the metamorph because he's going to claim in response. So I I have two wastelands in play, and I take for a minute because uh, I want I'm trying to decide if I should wasteland his fetch. Um, because I, I, at the very least, he claims the cage, and then I copy whatever threat he he comes up on, on top with a metamorph. Um, but I, I decide to go for it. I wasteland his fetch. He fetches up an underground sea. You know, I wasteland that, and then attack in with the 
with the inspector. It, it had to have been. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, he 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 has like all these green cards in his sideboard, and then he like the way his fetches are set up, he couldn't even board. I mean, he would have changed his fetches if he had a forest in his board, but like right. boarding three nature's claims and two abrupt decays when you don't have a forest and you only have like one misty rain. He only has four fetch lands. Period. So like right. Yeah, it's just going to be a struggle, man. I don't, yeah. see, I don't see how he beats shops unless he just gets the nut. Right. So I, I, I was able to take him off of the claim plan and copy a, a cage, and like the next turn, he, he ends up claiming one of the cages. So like I, I think he said after the match he had the cage. So like he, he probably wins game two if he just um, uh, claims in response to the the the, the waste on the fetch. Right. Right. Um, but uh, so I'm able to. To win again against uh, Oath, and then um, losing the quarterfinals to to Andy. Um, so this shop's mirror is like really rough because of how low to the ground they are, and especially being on the draw. Um, yeah, I mean, I was watching your match earlier today when I should have been doing something else, and yeah. I um, like he does draw his one of um, Lord. Yeah, the Chief of Foundry that he drew was, like, backbreaking. Otherwise, I would have had, like, a giant ballista that would have mowed down some thopters, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So, and but then anyway, he, gets, he gets thopter advantage, and you're just owned after that. You have, right, like, well, no, well, the problem no was, problem like, blocks. both of my keeps were, were, like, weak hands. Like, the the seven-card hand, I think it was, like, it was very mana-heavy. It had, like, uh, like, Ruby, Soul Ring, Workshop, Talarian Academy... And, and like a ravager and maybe like another threat and but i think i i think as the person with the main deck precursors game one I, like i have to keep the mana heavy hands and just hope to draw the card that wins um and, and hope that he has like a slower start because like he's actually advantaged with the spheres because he can like play a true two drop into like a sphere and be okay with it uh or trying to keep me off of my high end stuff so i i you know, I keep the so man ahead. Yeah, I just yeah, you just have to hope that he has a slowish start, and you know, maybe yeah. I, I probably could have multi six that game, but uh, what happens happens. Uh, and then game two, it was just even worse because the seven card hand was unkeepable. It was like Mox is your only land or your mana source, and then the six was double workshop, double tomb, factory, and fleet wheel cruiser. So. And factory off the top, I think. Like you're, you literally drew mono lands. Are you no, scry to the bottom, maybe? I scry a work uh, a wasteland to the bottom. I okay, think. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then you had like a car, I think, and that was your only business in that opener, maybe. It was it was car and factory my only business. So it was like play workshop, hope he like I get a time walk off of it by him wastelanding it, which he did, and then like. Play factory like I should have played tomb pass in case I drew precursor. I drew I played factory pass and then played the cruiser, but you know then he just kind of curved off like he he's been like he did the first game, and yep, and then I was dead. So yeah, hmm. Well, he gave it a good run. I I, I mean I I don't I didn't spend a lot of time watching your your. Uh... Your match, I think I watched it once, but it didn't look like there was really anything you can do other than, yeah. I guess, to mulligan more. But I mean, there's, you know, that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he, he had really good sevens anyway, so I'm not even sure like a mulligan to six, like a good mulligan to six would would have won game one anyway. Like it would have to be like like the game one I hit against Rich, where it's like turn two precursor into like a million other precursors or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as it turned out, like he was pretty favored with the deck building going into that top eight, but man, being first seed, like that was that was just the real clincher. Yeah, so being first seed, only having to play shops and mirrors with the deck designed to beat shops is like the ideal situation. And being on mono shops since like before type one was on MTGO and it was called something else. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're just like a, a shops robot who grinds moto, yeah, you know, from from Thunder Bay or wherever he's from, that's you know, got to put him in a, a good position here when he's when he's uh, staring down a bunch of shop mirrors. As, as a follower yeah. of Mishra, you just have to accept that Andy is the greatest follower of Mishra. <laughs> yeah. Like every time that he puts up a result, Mike and I are like, "How the fuck does he keep on doing this with shops? How does he do it?" Yeah, most, of the, most of the time, I think the deck is bad because, like, everybody else plays Wasteland and uh, everyone abhors mental missteps. So, you know, we'll test with these blue decks that have, like, two mental missteps and then, and, like, four Wastelands and a strip mine, and we feel like Shops is garbage. So, yeah, like, and actually, I don't think it takes much to beat these. I mean, these decks are really aggressive, but they don't really protect themselves at all like it's, it's just a creature deck just yeah, i mean would a card like fucking pyroclasm be good i mean i'm I just you know it's i guess the ravager throws a wrench in that plan but a little bit yeah i mean like energy i like i could never beat an energy flux <laughs> really hard and like energy flux is so castable these days yeah paul managed to uh lose to a shop deck when he had two energy fluxes in play so it's possible <laughs> <laughs> just play like all four workshops and just blister you for 20 yeah yeah so so just stepping away for a minute you know there was a lot of I guess chatter after it because if you just looked at the top 8 it, it did oh I think it's fair to say that aggro shops was the best deck in the tournament I think the numbers bore it out it was also played a lot um, yeah so, yeah. so actually really quickly before we get into that like why I chose to play it in the tournament was partially because I thought its weakest matchups were really bad for the tournament. So, like, Vintage Champs is, like, a unique tournament in that it is the largest sanctioned event of the year. You know, like, 430 people playing Vintage. That naturally means, like, there's a lot of budget players playing, and what that means is there's a lot of Nullrod. And I think these, like... It's really hard to argue about playing like a PO list or or like Storm or anything like that because there's just so much natural hate for these types of things. Actually, I think it's those type of decks that um, uh, these shops decks, these super aggressive shops lists are really weak to. And so if you just know there's going to be less uh, Storm or outcomes in the room and that they're likely going to get null rotted out in the first few rounds, like if you just can dodge them the first like three rounds or so the room shifts to be so fair and now you're just playing a, a threat heavy creature deck in a in a fair room and so i think that's what kind of caused the these shops lists to rise to the top and they so they get it, get into the fourth round and they're all three one or four oh and they just 
Right. Now they're in the clear. Right. There's I mean, like, if you look at that top 16, too, like, there's a lot of blue decks, but most of them, that's where the, they're all pretty fair. Like, yeah, so it's, so it's, so eight, so ninth through 16th, ninth is Dredge, 10th is Mike's uh, Salamasi's deck, which is a super fair mentor deck with, you know, basics and a bajillion anti-shop cards. Uh, another Ravager deck, Landstill, another Dredge deck, Stoneblade, Ravager, Blue Moon, Delver is 17th. So yeah, the first outcome deck comes at 18th place. Okay. Yeah. So what's scary to me is that a lot of the, the blue fair decks, uh, at least on Magic Online, I don't, I don't know about in the actual tournament, we're playing a fair number of like shops eight, right? Like Delver was pretty big. Even the Mentor decks played a lot of Null Rods and, and like Braids main deck. Uh, the Delver decks played Wasteland and just wasn't enough. I, I haven't looked at the, the Delver list that I played against, but both just stopped drawing lands. Like, they would have had a chance if they had hit, like, two or three more land drops. Like, one of them was budget, and he had to discard the land to the mock diamond. So if that was an actual mock, like, he probably would have been in that in that game. And then against the other Delver player, you know, uh, like one of the games I drew the strip, you know, the strip mine. And so like, I was able to take him down a notch there. And then the other game, he just kind of got stuck on two lands and never really drew out of it. He strip mine me to to beat me. Yeah. The, he had a, he strip mine, my Academy to, to take me out. So he's at least running strip mine, but the, the Delver lists that we tested were the ones with wastelands. I didn't test. So you're testing like the 19 land Delver decks or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, that I saw. Yeah, and I, I thought Chops was like I said, when I'm if you're winning a third of the of game ones where you're burdened with four missteps and a gentleman's like flusterstorm or whatever, you're feeling pretty good, you know. Um better than better than in past years anyway. You just you don't get sphered out as much as like Mike said, as long as you have three land in play, you can cast most of your deck. Um, so or at least right. you can cast and, Bolt in a Braid, which is really what matters. <laughs> well, I mean, and the bigger thing, too, is like, yeah, so you win game one, and then you're on the on the play game three. Like, I actually went to game three every round except for two of them. So, and I think except for against the Moon Stompy deck, I was on the play game three. Or against uh, the Mono Green player, too. So, like, Five rounds, I was on the play game three, which is just a huge advantage for for the shop player. Okay, well, is this a good segue to uh, your article about nominally about Mistress Workshop, but actually about misstep? Yeah. So Brian Demars published an article saying Workshop needs to go. I think the I, he had that motherfucker on deck. It was yeah. like. When did he publish this thing? It was like October twenty fourth. It was like Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Day. Yeah. Boom, print. <laughs> it was ready to go. Like, so. the shit up. And then LSV had a video too that day. Yeah, he has like glad hands in it too. He's like, don't, now I'm not yeah. saying we should do it, but I'm just asking the question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, which obviously the guy's an infinitely better magic player than I'll ever be, given the fact that he did it for a living for a number of years and, and uh, he's really good at the game. But I'm a little miffed that like, Hey, come play. You know, like if you want to write an op-ed, 
get on a fucking plane and come play. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I don't like at least the, at least Demar's plays right. Like LSV right. didn't come fucking play vintage. You know. Anyway. I, and I think some of it too comes down to like, what do you want your your vintage format to be like? Like I like if workshops was a thing in like standard or modern, yeah, of course, ban it or whatever. But um, you know, LSV asked the question: Would you would you want like workshops to be restricted, or do you think like it's fine to to have like a deck that is, you know, 40, 50 restricted artifacts and four workshops? And I actually think uh, vintage as a format would be better if it was just like mana restricted artifacts plus workshop you know eventually down the line and you have your four workshops you know because you it's pretty much like how blue is uh and right. you know blues you have four force of will and a, and, a, and a restricted list yeah yeah i mean like yeah. is a place where these old cards get a life and where these old strategies are kind of get their last breath and i think you know it's important to have this prison deck around it's important to have these blue cantrip heavy uh, Turbo Xerox style decks around. It was important to have like dredge around and things like that. So you know, I, I just don't think you can restrict workshop, like restrict all the artifacts you need to beforehand. The power level of the remaining restricted list stuff now. I mean, pre delve maybe you could have said, well, you know, because if you looked at the blue restricted list before then, but that pile of blue cards is so overwhelmingly more powerful than than any other thing you can be doing. If you don't have something like shop, it is going to just be mono blue restricted list mirrors. And I know there are some people who opine for a format that is just slightly slower blue deck, slightly more aggro blue deck, combo blue deck. And I get that it's very hard to detach vintage from the card pool. So I'm saying blue deck um, and I'm not, opposed to blue cards or islands, but you will literally just have blue decks uh, if you restrict mission. There is no shop deck with one with yeah. one workshop. People are saying, oh, oh, well, you know, you could bring back Golem and restrict shop. It, it would just always be worse, I think, than playing Eldrazi, which wouldn't even be good, actually, either. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, I'm really sick and tired of hearing shops, oh, you have five Black Lotuses, you know, if I had five Black Lotuses in my deck, I would be playing Ancestral Recall and Time Walk. And Storm. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they completely ignore the fact that you have to play cards that are literally draft box turds, like you know, <laughs> Foundry Inspector and, you know, fucking... Uh, Fleetwheel Cruiser and Fleetwheel Cruiser and Chief of the Foundry. These are like discarded draft box rare, like refuse. Right. Um, and you're playing Dig Through Time and Jace the Mind Sculptor and Ancestral Recall and, Ancestral Recall and Treasure Cruise. Yeah. So, but my article was sort of a retort and it was, my title was tongue in cheek. I knew that if I put my title as Sean hates mental misstep, that, <laughs> no, that, one no, read it. that no one would read it because it was obvious <laughs> because it's obvious. Yeah. And, um, so I had actually brewed this article for a while prior to the thorn restriction because I honestly would have just preferred my preference was actually if they had to take a sphere to take sphere and then to take mental misstep and they ended up taking mentor and thorn, which I guess I'm fine with. I mean, there were some game mentor made for games in which there was basically no way to, to ever recover right from, from a mentor. Um, the card is probably too powerful and it's probably fine that it's gone. 
whenever I draw that card, like in my my restricted blue deck, it just laugh. Like it's so <laughs> it's so far beyond all the other creatures. It, it's like, so yeah. It's like, so good. like I don't think Gush needed to go. Like I think Mentor could have gone before for them. Yeah, and yeah. Obviously, the problem card. It, and it closed the game so fast that even if you had a decent solution, there was a chance that it was almost irrelevant. It closed the game, especially if you happen to have Time Walk, you know, another card you can't cast off Mishra's Workshop, that, you know, the game was over. The game was almost, the game was always over with a, with one Time Walk, which is kind of absurd, right? Like, and yeah. it, even, it even obsoleted Tinker, right? Like, what's the point of tinkering a Blightsteel when this thing's just better? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mentor was more powerful than Tinker. Yeah. The crazy thing to me is that, like, between Delve and Mentor, there is no reason to play Yagmas well. There wasn't. It, like, yeah, yeah. Talk about literally banning the card. Right. Literally yeah. banning. And it's it, none of the ones in the top 24. Not really. Maybe yeah. one. Yeah. But anyway, the, the thrust of the article was is basically the same thing I've been saying, which is even after the restrictions, we're really just looking at Dredge, I, I consider Dredge to sort of be a pariah, right? Like it, it's not a trying to play Magic in any real way. So it, when I say it's a two deck format, apologies to Dredge, but Dredge operates like completely outside the rules of Magic. Um, but you know, I think it's still just basically misstep decks and shop decks, right? Yeah. And having I mean, a- you could probably classify Oath as something kind of separate from that. Like it's still a misstep deck, but like. Oath is kind of fundamentally different than like other like the Xerox deck, maybe. It requires yeah. some whereas the other blue decks, they just they they don't right. right. You know? Right. Yeah. But they still play four missteps because they have to be able to resolve their spells and misstep cages and like nothing beats free. Yeah, so, I guess the rest of your article, right? You play main deck hate cards for blue decks, you play these pyroblasts and flush of storms and four missteps. Yeah, they're incestuous, right? So one of the things I try to point out is like when you're just like laying cards out in front of you, you never discard a card because it gets countered by force of will. Right. Yet. And so, so one of the retorts you get from somebody who says that missteps usage is as high as force of will is, you know, no sane person would ever advocate a forceful restriction, but I just don't think the comparison is accurate because I'm not talking, I mean, the play pattern of misstep is miserable, but I think it's its impact on deck construction that, that is where it's the most like we're not allowed to use disease terms anymore, but like uh, <laughs> corrosive, you know, right. uh, you know, nobody discards a card when they're building a deck because it gets countered by force of will or mana drain or spell pierce or spell snare or fluster storm. But cool. you do actually discard cards from the deck construction exercise because they get countered by mental misstep or you, you, you resign yourself to play Metal Misstep. Well, let's even enumerate, like, the shitty fucking play patterns that happen because of Misstep. And I can, I can <laughs> sum those in one round. In my first round of Vintage Champs, I had almost all of the, the terrible things. So, he goes, recall me in my upkeep. I misstep, he missteps, I misstep. Bray, I, I recall into the third misstep and crushes Snapcaster uh, recall. And he loses, right? Great. Go fish. I, I drew three steps. Right. He only drew then, two. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought we already learned this lesson in Legacy, like, four... Yeah. How many years ago was it? It's been a minute. Uh, yeah, probably four years ago. More than that? No, it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, like, it it took six months for, for it to get banned in Legacy just because of how degenerate it became. 
Yeah, but hold on. I've got my second. I've got my second terrible misstep play pattern. Oh sure, go ahead. So I'm way ahead in this game, and my grip is like pretty good. I've got a misstep. I've got like some stuff that's going to do stuff the next turn, and he plays balance. And I'm looking at this card that counters a one mana spell, <laughs> and I'm like, well, fuck, I lose this game. Yeah. So it, it's. Hey, did you know what the really cool thing is? If you had just played Spell Snare, he would have had the misstep for it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so there, there, there's no interaction. There's no good interaction. You can't play. I mean, you can't the play only, one drops. The only thing that I think could could uh, be perceived as um, strategy is the sub game of misstep and cabal therapy, maybe, where you don't misstep the cabal therapy and they don't name it, and then you got them on the flashback. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, then there's oh, like that's the, only relevant against Dredge now because no other decks can play it because Probe is restricted. Yep, yep. And then you have the the Mishra's Workshop Mulligan decision where you're in the blind on the play and you have a Soul Ring and you're like, "Fuck my life!" Like, oh, I forgot to mention that that ha- that came up in my winning in my opening hand in game one in the blind was like Factory Soul, soul Ring, uh, like a relevant, uh, like a decent hand. Like I could have kept that, but I'm like, I'm not losing my winning in. Getting my soul ring misstepped. Yeah, and as it turns out, your opponent is on land still, packing the full the full fucking four missteps, right? Yeah, yeah. but like, it, and the other thing is, is that so there's the, just the sorcerer speed versus free, right? I mean, that's nothing beats free. Plus, if you count the delve spells, I mean, it was way worse with with unrestricted delve spells. But and, and I feel like that's the tipping point. I think delve tipped. You know, I, in my article, I point out some massive events where misstep like didn't gain. Traction and dominance, like it's a card that uniquely builds on itself because you need more missteps to fight the misstep war. And then once they get into lists, they just stick. Like right. there's no unsticking them. And then Delve was like, "Oh well, now it's now it's a free spell and it's plus one mana." Well, um, th- this is the, the best thing cantrips. ever. Preordained. You, you weren't playing yeah. cantrips before because you needed to play like actual card advantage cards, like like Dark Confident or what, whatever in your bug lists. Or, Thirst or, for knowledge, yeah, yeah. I, but now that you had these, once you got these payoff spells for with these delve cards for for playing the cantrips and then getting the consistent mana base, now now it's actually relevant to counter these can, cantrips and, and the misstep value. Kind of, you actually have relevant targets for misstep too. Yeah, and nothing beats free. And so if I'm countering your misstep with spell pierce, it's it's just a joke, right? Like you just have the second misstep and you misstep my spell pierce, and I look like a mule. Um, yeah. And the common retort is like, well, if chops are so good, then people should play fewer missteps to beat chops. But what they fail to take into account is that is game theory. Like, chops right. can never possibly be more than 30% of the field. It is usually isn't more than 20% of the field. And so that means as a blue player, you're expecting over half of your matches be a blue mirror where there's no edge being, none really. So you have to be pre-boarded against blue just from a game theory perspective, like your expectation is that you want to play all of the missteps, which is leaves a stable metagame for shops to be on top, even if everyone knows that it's going to be on top. Right, shops kind of gets the natural power boost just by being the the unique deck. Yeah, and the other retort is like, oh, well, all you shops players have bad cards in the shop mirror. Is sort of true. I mean, spheres are not great in the mirror, 
uh, unless you can establish some kind of land advantage, right? Or right. Um, but again, you're less of the field, and they're not nearly as dead as misstep is versus shop. You know, with respect to shop, even a card like Chalice of the Void, if you happen to be on the play in the shop mirror, it has text, right? Like it's it's right. It's fine, you know. Game one, it's it's not nearly as dead as as misstep is, uh, and you can sack things to Ravager, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like, but going all the way back to like 2011, 483 people. How big was Champs this year? Do we top 500? It was 427. All right. So the Bizarre Moxon Five is bigger than the the vintage event that just happened. 483 people at that time, and I know like the MTGO players who who've just never experienced paper vintage and have their career started on MTU. They can't even imagine this, but a format where you can have four spheres, four thorns, four chalice, four lodestone golem, and four metamorphs if you wanted them. And they put exactly one workshop deck in the top eight out of 483 people. And you look at like, how is this fucking possible, right? Like this is un unbelievable. And there were plenty of workshop decks in the room. But it's because the winning deck has four Thoughtseize, no mental missteps, two Hercules Recall, like three basic lands, Steel Sabotage, full set of Moxes, Mana Vault. You know, it's Tinker. it's like Tinker, yeah, Tezzeret, Time Vault. It has like essentially no dead cards. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of that too become it was because like one of the best blue decks in the room was also an artifact deck, so you could kind of play artifact hate being and hit, still hit 60% of the field. Yeah, it was it was totally fine to steal sabotage of blight steel, right? Right. Um yeah. But something like four thoughtsease, you know. Think about how many shaky draws that would have just been claim that Menendian made. He claims that uh Andy's deck is the best shop stack ever constructed in the history of shops. Full stop. That is a bold statement. I think so. Like he a- actually asked Andy in the so many insane plays, and Andy said like his his build of shops would probably win a shops near of like any shops deck, and I think that is probably true. But that's just because of how aggressive it is. Like I think if you take it as like the best shops deck in history, that's probably a bold claim because against a lot of historical blue decks, it would actually just be super dead to. Like I'm not sure if it could beat the old style. Uh, the deck, yeah, the deck I just pasted into our chat, it would get fucking body slammed by. I mean, yeah, that Tesserator deck just plays a broken vintage <laughs> game plan, and and you're playing shitty two twos for one. He has five fucking islands. I mean, nice fucking mana. Four keys, three grim monoliths. <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> yeah, so and you know. He's got three yeah. more steel sabotage in his sideboard. And, oh, and there's two mental missteps in the sideboard. Vastly better. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. He has two mental missteps in his sideboard. Hell yeah. It's a great <laughs> sideboard card. <laughs> but you can see, like, the What's efficacy that? of the card. If you look at the rest of the top eight, like, he didn't really want it necessarily in, in this mirror. I guess it gets key in some other things, but, like, uh, he probably wants it against Remora Storm, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the only Gush deck to make this top eight. Um, no, it was two Gush, two Gush Storm decks that made the top eight. But but yeah, then the slope goes down, and then all of a sudden you have to misstep the misstep the misstep your misstep. And I mean, that 
that's where we are. I mean, Delve, Delve did its part. Dak probably did its part. And then the other thing that pushed Misstep over the top and probed to some extent anyway was the the token makers, right? Like when free is free, it's great. But when free is like a plus one mana and you get a token and you get an overrun, I guess in the case of Mentor, it's everything's off the fucking rails. And, and your guy doesn't get bolted or plowed too, so. Yeah, giant growth. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so so anyway, so so for me, if they do anything, which I'm not confident they should or will, I guess we have January is when Pirates of the fucking Clam Sea or whatever the next set is called. Yeah, I mean, we have like two months and like actually like Ryan and Matt posted like some of the numbers for Moto in October and shops on Moto hasn't even really been doing that great. It's got like a 40% win percentage in like the last two events or something like that. Turns out when people actually play like PO and and like these vintage decks that are are doing vintagey things, like the the creature deck doesn't really get there. Yeah. Well, maybe I mean maybe they don't have to do anything and I would, well they don't have to do anything. Um I would be a, well I I'd actually be a fan of them just waiting. I I think I think in yeah. general vintage probably should even be on a different BNR schedule. I mean, just the amount of, of standard versus the amount of vintage that's played, it's got to be dwarfed by a factor of, like, what, a fucking thousand, you know, like, or some insane number. Yeah. I, I'm just tired of, like, all the, the BNR talk. Like, a deck wins an event, and instantly someone's like, let's let's ban something. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the same with Legacy. Like, top was still legal, and they're like, Death Rite Shaman needs to go. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, like, it's a slippery slope too, right? Like, I don't want to get into legacy because the format's a fucking shit heap. But like, if you take Deathrite Shaman, you can't possibly leave Grizzlebrand, right? I mean, like, what? <laughs> right? I mean, then like, yeah. then you have to play Force Will. That donkey, that donkey Grizzlebrand deck is around. How? What is this, it? This is how you get Grizzlebrand Brand and Legacy finally, like you're like it's supposed to be, right? Your your blessed Onion deck or whatever the fuck. I mean. You, you, you can't leave that card. If you want to take Deathrite Shaman, then you certainly have to take Grizzlebrand, and then you're just down the rabbit hole, right? Greg, Greg how'd you do last night with that pile? Totally shitty Grizzlebrand Drum deck and Forod, and yeah. it was awesome. I, I've I, had I players that, Grizzlebrand. I, I lost to a Grizzlebrand reanimator player who didn't know what Deathrite Shaman did. What? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what it did. I cast it. And he's like, oh, what does that do? He's like dark ritual and tomb exhume. I'm like, doesn't matter. That's awesome. Thanks. First of the thick Atlanta accent. Oh, he wasn't from Atlanta, dude. He was from the woods. But yeah, he was was playing the 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 depths grizzle pile or whatever that the internet thought was good for a while. He didn't know how stage depths worked either. He just this was on an earlier cast. He just pointed at both of them and just said, "Do the thing." I was like, "All right, you do the thing." Anyway, I hate legacy. I don't want to talk about it, but um. I wouldn't be sad to see Misstep go. I'd be quite happy. And um, like whether that deck space gets reclaimed or not is absolutely up for debate. A lot of people have claimed that it would have no impact on deck construction. I find that hard to believe given how ubiquitous it is, given how in every set review, when a one drop comes up, it's the same tired reply of uh, Misstep. I also think it might bring some diversity to shop decks. In addition to like making blue decks better against shop decks, if they assuming they put spells with text in, there's some diversity in shops if you can reliably maybe cast a skull clamp or yeah. uh, a signal pest or something. I mean, I'm just throwing some some ideas out there. I would like to see diversity of combo decks too. Like you get to play dark ritual again. 
like, sure, Reed Duke has played Dark Ritual, but he's about the only one who's done well with it in the past three years. Yeah, and, and I don't think the current Shops decks can actually beat a Dark Ritual Storm deck. Have four Hercules Recalls, Post Board, and you're dead. A bunch of basics, yeah, and you're just dead. Or you play Witchbane Orb or some really narrow solution, but... Yeah, and that they'll still have, like, the Chain of Vapor or whatever to deal with it, but... Yeah, I mean, that is an argument. Somebody has said, I think Brian Kelly, whose opinion I, I certainly respect, says that um, he feels like the, the one-mana discard effects are not a fair trade and that misstep sort of keeps them sort of uh, at bay. So, so, you know, aggregate combo, I guess Ritual Storm is the best example of aggregate combo. But, you know, but I think like Null Rod decks, Taxing decks are still be a predator. Plus, you know, we haven't had an environment where we had Trap and Fluster Storm and I guess one misstep, right? So Flusterstorm's been printed since then, which is obviously a great card against Storm. And there's also right. been like half a dozen hate bears that get no play at all that'll that completely stone Storm. We have Thalia, we have uh, either Swarm Canadas, Meddling Mage, Gaddic Teague, um, fuck, Spirit of the Labyrinth, Aegis of the Gods, you know, all those oh, Leovold, right? Fucking Leovold, you right? Can right John. Let's play some Leovold. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you could actually resolve your, your Death Rite Shaman. Or resolve, even, like, a shitty card like Dryad Arbor. I mean, not Dryad Arbor. Who's the fucking thing that... Exiles? Dryad Militant. Yeah, like a Dryad Militant. You know? I mean, and, and again, a mana for mana trade, I think, is fine. You know, if I play a Dryad Militant and you bolt it, okay. It's it's the tempo fucking beating of just main phase, turd, misstep. I don't have the misstep. You know, it's just absolutely awful. And that's, that's pushed it to a... 95% in Legacy, too, was like, you couldn't play Aether Vial in your deck without misstep. It was right. You couldn't play Goblin Lackey without misstep. Goblins played missteps. Fucking motherfucker. Oh, card pisses me off. It's, it's the literal worst card ever. And, you is know, it- the other thing is, is that people, people say recall. Well, Ancestral Recall will swing games, right? Have you heard that argument as well? Like yeah. Mis- yeah, because it's Ancestral Recall. Because it's Ancestral Recall, exactly. Like, Black Lotus swings games. Go look at the camera match. I got my fucking nuts blown off by it. But I don't get salty about losing to Black Lotus. It's just Black Lotus. Like, if you can't accept the restricted list, Vintage is not the place for you, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like, Vintage happens. Like, you just have to accept getting Vintage sometimes. (laughs) The the verb. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, like, I guess this aggro deck... This aggro shops deck sometimes can win on turn two, but that's like under one percent of the time. If you have, if you assemble the Rube Goldberg machine, yeah, yeah, Dredge wins on turn two. I mean, yeah, you know, it's yeah, you know, and then like, there's some there's some interesting interplay. Like Cage would get stronger. There's some cards that might get stronger, I guess. Um, right. But I don't. I think all of them have answers, and at least the answers are trading mana for mana. Right. I mean, Vintage survived four Merchant Scrolls with Ancestral before Misstep or Flusterstorm or Mindbreak Trap. Anyway, I think I think you'd, you'd be fine with one Misstep. I think a lot of players, especially the guys who got into it or people who got into it with MTGO, can't really even envision a format without starting a deck-building experience at four Force, four Misstep, plus the blue restricted cards. It's just yeah. tough, tough to wrap their head around it. You know when, when I met when I met you, Mike. You remember you were yeah. on you were on Bugfish with no yeah. basics, hence greedy Mike. Yeah, and I felt with four Chalice and four Golem that I was a dog deer deck. Especially, I mean, on the draw, I felt I was one hundred. Right. Yeah, I actually beat two shops players in that top eight on the draw, both both games or both rounds. 
But that's because I was I was playing three mess steps, which was a lot. But I was playing a main deck steel sabotage. I was playing a bunch of abrupt decays. I could resolve my deathrite shamans. Yeah, yeah. Deck was a beating. You had predator. You had deathrite shaman wastelands. Yeah. So I feel like deck like that should be a predator. To sh- it is a it is a reasonable matchup for shops now. It's not probably not great, but it's I, certainly reasonable. At least in testing, we thought it was reasonable. It's yeah, it's a little hard. It's actually a little harder now that shops has gotten so aggressive because shops can just get ahead of you. Um, yeah, it can go wider. Um, yeah. But anyway, that deck you know could be more reliable because the deck kind of stinks when you can't resolve your deathrite shaman. So. Right. Anyway, we'll see what they do. I, what's your take on if if you have to lead another hostage out of the bank along with mental misstep and it has to come from the shop deck? What what do you think? What do you think they would hit or should hit? Or so for me, it's like there's I say probably two front runners, and then may you could argue a third. Um, the two front runners would probably be Arcbound Ravager or uh, Boundary Inspector. Um. Just Arcbound Ravager negates a ton of removal. It's super powerful. It's what leads to these explosive wins. Um, and the same with in- Inspector. Is it's, next to a workshop, it is uh, easily the, the, the most mana advantage you can get. Like, you go turn one, Inspector, turn two, you are emptying your hand. Um, and then God, the, the, insane to, to see that on a on the restricted list it's, it would be insane but it is in turn like you're right i mean you're probably probably right. more powerful than like ancient tomb in terms of the explosiveness right so you think blissa doesn't make that cut a lot I, of- I think blissa is my 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 third third choice it the was dark like horse. yeah from playing i think the- ravager and inspector are just Inherently more powerful in these in this ag- aggressive list, like Balista, it definitely has is good interaction and is uh, a powerful finisher. But I also think that's part of the reason to, it might be fine to keep it in. Like it's de- it definitely is way less powerful without Ravager and Ravager uh, stones Faden too, right? Like that's a right. huge advantage of having. Arcbound Ravager in your deck. Well, I mean, that's, the, the thing with the shops deck is that every card just bones fate. Like the whole shops <laughs> archetype is like the only card that isn't is like the Lodestone Golem or uh, like your your inspectors. On the blue deck side of things, I was so scared of Ballistic because like I could break up an inspector, I could plow it, I could I could deal with it. A lot of times you play it in pass. Going late, like I can't play my creatures because you've undoubtedly got the Ballista. You can so I can't create a board presence, and the bliss is just going to burn my face off going late. So for me, I, I think that is one of the the scarier cards because the natural foils the deck, like in, in creatures and board presence, just can't get a foothold. What was Russ's final play? Like, how, it was essentially a fireball out of shops, right? He, yeah, I think he drew his fourth <laughs> workshop for for what six? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fireball you for six out of my brown deck. <laughs> yeah, it puts a damper on a lot of things that solve shops too, like mana dorks. So Ballista keeps down like uh, Noble Hierarch. Pretty, like, yeah, but I mean, like Revoker does that too. 
Yeah, but to 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 uh, Greg's point, like I can plow the revoker. I can yeah. I can interact with the revoker. Giving shops sort of like pseudo on the stack removal is, is sort of idiocy. And Triskelion had this like um, you had to have six mana. So if I'm playing a wasteland deck, I can keep you off trike mana. Uh, right. Tough to do that with uh, ballista. Maybe they decide to take ballista. Ballista takes down like goblin welder. Uh, Noble Hire, Kataki. Eh, yeah, eh. but no one's playing Goblin Wilder anyway because of Mental Mista. Well, fair enough. All right, so well, I'm, I'm assuming this whole argument is in the context of a hostage exchange because they oh, haven't, sure. yeah. you know, they haven't really done it. Like, what? It was Gush Golem, or is that right? Yeah, it was. No, it was uh, Gush Probe and Gush Probe, sorry, yeah, yeah, and what was it? Thorn, Thorn. Yeah, Thorn, Thorn Mentor, Gush Thorn Mentor, Probe, and then we prior to that it was two. It was a. Uh, it was Golem and. Dig then Chalice going back chronologically. So I think Dig and Chalice maybe went at the same time, or or they were right after one another. But, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah that that was um that top eight had the Grixis Thieves deck, the Shop decks had four Chalice, and the decks were running like two or three Dig through time each, probably. Yeah, yeah, that sounds what, right. What a fair card. Anyway, I liked Dig a lot. I, I think it led to to pretty fun deck building. Fuck you. I I think it led to fun. It, relatively fun gameplay. I think it did the opposite of fun deck building because every deck was like 18 lands and then all cantrips and four dig through times and then four forcibles. Fine. Maybe it's fun gameplay because you can always sculpt whatever plan you want. Yeah. yeah. That card obsoleted so many search cards. And yeah. another neat after effect, I mean, it's not neat. Maybe it's miserable. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But like, if we get one misstep, we may see the top deck tutors come back and they are actually, in some cases, good against shops because... Certain haymakers, balance being the one that usually comes to mind, like or toxic deluge or something. You know, you you can more reliably find those with top deck tutors. I mean, they're miserable in blue wars right now. They're on, like on, basically yeah, exactly. unplayable in blue wars because of misstep. Right, they're still good uh, against shops even now. They're just so bad in blue mirrors because of misstep mostly. Anyway, the card advantage card is pretty big too. You're if you're scrolling for a recall or a dig. You're not getting that far ahead. Scroll's fine. Scroll's a one-for-one. One, but Mystical, Vampiric, Seal are largely unplayable right okay. now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, th- historically, they were played in Blue Mirrors, and there is, like, card disadvantage, but they were just more reliable. Like, Mystical for Ancestral or Vamp for Ancestral is not great, but if you can more reliably get the recall off and two-for-three, I guess that's Okay still not that impressive compared to some of the newer cantrips and draw spells. Like I think it would enable some cool combo decks like dark depths. You, you might be able to resolve a card like crop rotation or expedition map. Anyway, may, maybe there'd be some new deck that would emerge that would be interesting and different and break up the dichotomy. Even if it, even if these decks are like 5% of the field, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I was trying to brew, like I was in prepping for chance. I was trying to brew like a non outcome artifact deck because like outcome is just dead to null rod, but I wanted to be have like fast mana that wasn't so dead to to artifacts. So I was trying to brew like Grixis Painter, uh, but you just can't do that. You just have to play four mental missteps in those decks, and then you're playing some number of Pyroblast, which is just too weak against. And then you look down, and you're well. Then you look down, and you're out of space too. Like yeah, you, you don't have any business left, or yeah, it just eats up a ton of a ton of room that would otherwise be business cards. 
we're coming on two hours and Greg won't listen to our podcast here because it's getting long in the tooth. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of it for vintage big event. When did they do the European one? It's, it's uh, opposite of the. It's like April, right? Somewhere around there. I, they haven't announced the next one yet, right? I don't think so. Not the next North American or the, I didn't see anything announced about the European one, but it wouldn't shock yeah. me if they waited for uh, GP Seattle. Oh, I'm sure they will. Oh yeah. You remember the, the, the legacy GP had 40 and 50 person vintage side events. Those were, those were big. Like if they announced that shit early, they could get a lot of people. Sure. Promote it. Be it, be a, be the change you want to be. I'm, I'm, yeah. It, it might be hard though. Cause they're now doing like the, the PT, the legacy PTQ. On Sunday, it's, yeah. that is that is not. Did did you read that news, Greg? They're doing because the the GP is legacy. They will uh, do a, a legacy PTQ on those weekends. So Are you, you serious? Can I can qualify for the Pro Tour with legacy. Yeah, yeah, you can go play standard. You can register seventy five mountains in a standard Pro Tour and drink a bottle of gin and show up to round one. Yeah, like I kind of want to go to the Pro Tour just to piss on. <laughs> Of like being a professional magic player, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it like CML style. Yeah, they they announced yeah, exactly. the, um, the the rest of the GPs too. So there's going to be a standalone Legacy GP in Japan after all in the very late fall next year. It's going to be sick. So and there's one in like Richmond, Virginia too. Oh yeah, yeah. Richmond, Virginia got one, which is a reasonable drive from Atlanta. That that's actually probably going to be a very well attended GP. Because, like, you can get to Richmond from the Northeast train system, too, pretty easily. Um, you'll get a lot of people to drive from the Northeast. So it should be a pretty – hopefully Legacy won't suck balls by then, but who knows. Yeah, I think it's pretty good right now. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> like banning Brainstorm. So, like, good luck. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm even, like, I'm, I'm over that at this point. Like, I, it's not going to get banned. I guess, you know, like, I'm kind of casting stones anyway. I don't want shop to get restricted. And so for me to call for a brainstorm restriction, maybe you could throw some of the same arguments back at me. I'm not even sure. I don't care at this point. But for me, like, the misery of the format revolves around just Legacy's version of the Blue Stew. I mean, look at the top 16. It's just the same deck. It's a Delver deck without Delver, and then a Delver deck with Delver, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, they're death like shamans. East Coast meta is, I think, kind of weird. A lot of Delver on the East Coast. I don't know why. Eh, it's just not not interesting. They they need to they need to do something just to shake up the deck building yeah. paradigm. I don't know what I don't know what the right answer is, but the p- problem is there is a slippery slope. Like if Deathrite goes, then every ape's going to play a stupid Grizzlebrand deck, and then you got to well, take yeah. Grizzlebrand. And then you got it, or you're main decking surgicals. I mean, what do you? What else are you going to do against that stupid deck? It's it's so. I, think you just, I mean, I think the hope is that either like some Delver style deck can either just fight it or whatever. And then every deck, every other deck, literally just loses to it. Yeah, I mean, then maybe that gets Grizzle. I like if you if you end up with a format without Deathrite Shaman and without Grizzlebrand, is it really like you finally get rid of Sneak and Show because it the deck is just probably unplayable without Grizzlebrand. Um, or at least it's just super weak. Um, hey, uh, it's, once the time, people played Leyline of the Void in blue decks. Like, you could go back to those days. Yeah. Yeah, but you're talking about a deck in Legacy where basically any deck without Force Will has 0% chance. Now, I think it's more reliable than Belcher. You always had Belcher, right? Which was like 
the Force of Will test deck, I guess. But that deck right. is a pile of shit. This Reanimator deck's way more resilient. Right. I mean, there's, there's Caracas too, I guess. Like you can like a, a Death in Texas, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, if I had my druthers, and I, I would say, and and you and you and brainstorm is sacred. I would probably take True Name, Grizzlebrand, and Deathrite Shaman, and you'd actually have to build decks again. Yeah. So yeah, I th- those those three cards, I'm not sure are really necessary to get banned, but I would just be so much happier if they didn't exist. Yeah, they don't promote any interesting deck building, and they certainly don't promote. Well, Deathrite actually promotes some interesting onboard play. It gets a complicated card, and that's that's cool, I guess. But it just homogenizes the format a bit too much for my liking. I've been building interesting Grizzlebrand decks for uh, for going on six years now. So yeah, Grizzlebrand is not so, uh, interesting in the least. Well, you're just wrong. I felt like a complete ape playing it. Like we played Legacy Unleashed, and I just played Grizzlebrand. I played none of the unbanned cards, and he's. So much- <laughs> I mean, I, that's another thing is we can unban everything that we unban. It's Tusktational, and nothing—not a fucking single deck will change in any top eight. Maybe like a lone miser like sneaks in with High Tide. Um, I picked up my fourth candle uh, with some of my prize money, so yeah, un- unban a uh, frantic search, please. Well, the good thing is, is Frantic Search obsoletes the candles anyway. I know. <laughs> Congrats again, Mike, on the top eight. Crushing you. winning in. It was an awesome run. Congrats yeah. to... Pittsburgh ended up being not bad. Like, I I was, I had a shitty attitude about it going into it, but I I thought the food was overall was pretty good. And, um, you know, maybe Wednesday night was pretty weak. You were still, like, asleep in Dearborn or wherever. But, <laughs> like, shit closed at, like, 9 o'clock. Oh, jeez. On Wednesday and Thursday, so that was a little bit rough. But yeah, I thought the restaurants were good. Convention hall was good. Tournament was run pretty well. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised too. It, it was there was a lot of bars. Check um, some of the college campuses more. Like at, it looks like CMU had some cool buildings. Yeah, the food was good too. Uh, I think definitely a step from uh, Columbus. So. Yes, I would take it over Columbus. Yeah. Um, and I think m- most people in the Northeast would agree. Probably the same problem with direct flights to both of those airports, but who knows for next year? I mean, if they're if they're dead set on keeping it like always east of Columbus uh, and always north of I don't know Richmond, then it's just it is what it is. I mean, the TO is based there. I think that's just the, what they're going to have to do. I mean, like. So but, many vintage people are, are up over in that part of, part of the world. At least you can get a direct flight to Philadelphia, though, right? Like from Seattle and from L.A. and from San No, I, I haven't been able to get a direct flight to any champs. And God, really? Pretty much all the yeah. flights we can get from Seattle or New Atlanta, York. New York. Boston? Detroit. <laughs> Boston. Yeah, well, if they have champs in Detroit, I'll... Actually, nah. We can all collectively lose that power <laughs> that we get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. See ya. Uh, stop. That's good. But you were freaking me out. You were freaking me out. You were a mask. Freaking me out. You were a mask. Call Galifant. You freaking me out. You were a mask. Call Galifant. Freaking me out. You were a mask. Call Galifant. You freaking me out. You were a mask. Call Galifant.